0: The following conversation with Shelley Smith of the City of Bend and Aaron Rook of Allyship in Action about their work on diversity, equity and inclusion and on homelessness aired on January 31st, 2020 on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest. And it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So I have a couple of guests here in uh, the station. Shelley Smith from the city of Bend and Aaron Rook from Allyship in Action. Uh, this past fall, Shelley Smith was hired by the city of Bend as a... Uh, Is it accurate to say you were hired as a policy analyst?
1: Actually, it's a management analyst, but very similar to a policy analyst.
0: Okay, thank you. To work on diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, which we will probably be referring to as DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to also lead the city's efforts to help on the homelessness situation. Two large and really important tasks in one job. I hope they're paying you well. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Rook who works part time at as a diversity coordinator at the Oregon State University Cascades campus I think it's still part time and is, it yeah. currently, okay. yeah? is one of three local residents who recently formed Allyship in Action, and they have been contr- contracted by the city as consultants on DEI work. The city's work on diversity, equity, and inclusion has its roots in events that transpired a year ago. When voters elected Sally Russell to be mayor, that left a city council vacancy to be filled by appointment. In a controversial decision, the council voted 4-2 to, to appoint Chris Piper over Karani Mitchell, a woman of color who had a lot of community support. Mayor Russell and the council majority faced a storm of criticism from voters who saw the council appointment as an opportunity to bring diversity to city leadership. That council decision was followed by a number of community meetings with uh, newly elected city councilor Jenna Goodman-Campbell, who had voted to appoint Mitchell and through her work, she was pu- she pushed for and won specific uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion goals in the budget that was adopted by the city council a few months later. Uh, I think that pretty accurately describes, uh, sums up how we got here without revisiting all that transpired um, after, before, both before and after the council appointment. The city, in my opinion, has uh, demonstrated a commitment to move forward, to remove barriers and create opportunities for people of color, LGBTQ people, and other underrepresented and marginalized communities. And so that's uh, where I I would say we are today. My guests are welcome to add or add anything to that. I think that effort by the city, uh, that commitment by the city, is demonstrated by the work that, uh, that the two of you are doing. So, uh, Shelley and Aaron, welcome to uh, KPOV. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank yeah, you. appreciate it. Step right up to that mic there.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, and uh, so, um, Shelley, I'd like to start with you. Aaron has been been on the radio many, many times here, <laughs> uh, but and we'll get to that. But so, you previously served as executive as excuse me executive director at the Kids Center, a nonprofit child abuse intervention center here in Bend, and before that, you worked with homeless youth in Seattle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I went to high school here in Bend. I was a Mountain View Cougar cool. and then left uh, for the big city of Seattle and had an opportunity to really engage from the very beginning of my uh, college career in, in the homelessness um, you know, I think it's crisis, uh, but the homelessness crisis. And back in 1990 in uh, Seattle, I had the opportunity to work with homeless uh, uh, children and families in an elementary school. They were bused in from all over the city, wherever they lived, cars, shelters. Um, they moved around. They were bused to the same elementary school. So I helped with that. And then over the years, I've always stayed connected to, I think, this idea that everyone needs extra support, depending on their situation, to to feel, feel like they're a participating member of a community and to making sure that they have all those supports. And um, I'm, I've am i been very pro- privileged in my life to have a great family and, and resources. And so um, over the years, I've been able to engage in this conversation. And, and right before I left Seattle, I helped... Um, support a continuum of care in the university district and as folks who have been to seattle know that they have a crisis Um, and even you know 15 years ago we were we were trying to figure out ways to collaborate to come together to provide that continuum
0: of care for homeless youth and were, were you up in Seattle when that documentary Streetwise was? Um, I was. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great. That was a great film. Very was powerful. It, for, for listeners who don't know, just Google documentary Streetwise, and you'll get all kinds of. It was about street uh, homeless youth. Yeah. In, in Seattle. And it was really a moving uh, documentary.
1: And part of why I came back to Bend is we know from working with homeless youth that, you know, I would say 100% of them would express that something's happened in their lives to create uh, where they are now. And it wasn't their fault. It wasn't something they caused. And we know that that I think it's heartbreaking and so coming to kids center allowed me to come back to a community that i love to ensure that we provide supports very early on for families to create a strong system of care so that everyone's healthy in that family and that kids are supported and they don't end up uh, living on the streets in seattle and um, having to survive in that environment
0: remind me when you were hired by the city
1: october of 2019
0: was it tough leaving kids center
1: absolutely i think part of my heart is still there I was there for 11 years, and uh, I will always be an advocate for, for Kid Center.
0: All right, Aaron, you've been, as I said, you've been on KPOV frequently as a guest and as former co-host of Voices from the Margin, which airs on Tuesdays at one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, one to one thirty. So, um, and now, yeah, yeah, as I said, you work it over at OSU, but you're also one of, uh, I think, three people who are part of, who have formed Allyship in Action. Correct. It's, it's yourself and who else?
2: Uh, so it's myself, Leanne O'Neill, and Karani Mitchell. <clears throat>
0: Excuse me. Right. So Karani, who had been a council candidate a year ago, now is working, has been hired, part of this, your group. So can you let our listeners know um, what allyship in action is? And this is going to be a little bit broader, but to, and, ta- and and in so doing, talk a little bit about what allyship means, what your goals are organizationally. Uh, and then then we can segue into more specifics about the city.
2: Sure thing. Yeah, so allyship in Action is something that the three of us formed um, officially about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now. Um, but the three of us have been doing – you know diversity equity and inclusion, consulting work and facilitation in our community uh, for a number of years in kind of a more informal capacity. I think really the impetus that uh, for starting this organization was a couple of things. One, we recognized that people in our community coming from marginalized or oppressed backgrounds or underrepresented groups were often being asked to provide their expertise and knowledge for free, um, and often were you know Happy to do so on some level, right? Because um, you know it's always great to have that seat at the table, to have people wanting to get more information and to learn more. Um, but that was, you know, really taxing for folks that you know maybe, you know, weren't you know weren't rolling in the dough, right? It's not like you know we're all retired and wealthy and can just you know spend our time, however, right? Um, and we also saw the other uh, tendency we saw was for organizations that had the funds and the wherewithal to really invest in this work. Uh, we're bringing folks in from Portland or Seattle or elsewhere. And while those folks were certainly knowledgeable, it was kind of missing the mark in terms of that local perspective. So the three of us are all really rooted here in central Oregon. um, And we all, you know, among the three of us certainly have a a wide range of diverse perspectives and identities that we can bring to the table. Um, But the other thing that I think is unique about um, our approach, and that's really important to us, um, is that we work with a variety of other consultants in the community, recognizing, you know, we can't cover or speak to every lived experience that's out there, and we wouldn't want to try to. So we really rely on a number of independent contractors in the community that provide those other voices and other skill sets I think oh yeah go ahead
0: so what what are uh were you gonna I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off if you had more to say it.
2: Oh, I was just going to kind of answer your question about uh, what allyship is. That's and, what I was just going to ask. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. So, you know, allyship, you know, there's a reason we, why we call it allyship in action, of course. Um, one is because this concept of allyship um, is really important to us, right? Um, and what that really is, it's about kind of walking side by side with folks and helping support them in the ways that they want and need to be supported, um, you know, kind of not putting ourselves front and center in, you know, trying to fight for other people, because I think, you know, we can all fall prey to that sort of savior mentality of, you Wanting to make a difference and kind of just leaping to the first opportunity without knowing if that's actually what's helpful. Um, so we always, you know make sure that in our trainings and workshops that we have at least two facilitators to provide that diversity of perspectives, but also to provide an opportunity if, say, you know, we're doing a training on racism and a comment comes up that's, um, you know, kind of a microaggression or other disparaging comment toward folks of color, then the white facilitator can step into that space and really demonstrate allyship in support of their co-facilitator, right, and um, kind of speaking out in that moment. So it's a model that we use even within our own work um, of allyship. And we really are trying to help encourage people to see um, the ways they can support um, their fellow community members in that way. Um, and the action part is really crucial because I think we've often found that, you know, we can go to workshops and learn a lot of interesting information. Uh, but if we don't walk away with tools and skills that we can actually apply, then we're really missing an opportunity.
0: And so would it be safe to say that, that part, of the, part of the goal here is to actually build alliances,
2: yeah, I mean, I think,
0: I mean, allies, allies, yeah, you it, know,
2: right. And so allyship is kind of like an alliance in a way, right? It's this idea of, um, you know, kind of being, again, side by side with someone in, in support of them building relationships. I think um, the relational piece is really impar- important to the work that we do. You know, we recognize that people are coming from all different backgrounds and perspectives and um, experiences. And it's not not everyone's going to be on the same page when we talk about things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we really try to connect with people where they're coming from, kind of the, the values that they already have that are important to them, and, and start from there.
0: Okay. So uh, if you just tuned in, uh, listeners, I'm talking with Shelley Smith uh, from the city of Bend and uh, Aaron Rook from Allyship in Action here on the Radical Songbook. So uh, as I stated previously, um Last year, when they during their budget conversations, the city council and uh, band committed to a series of actions aimed at improving diversity, equity, and inclusion within the city. And I'm just going to go through the four bullet points. We can then we can sort of you, you can give us kind of a progress report if you would, and we'll figure out where we're at on this. One one uh, element was to a training program for the council, for c- city staff and volunteers. Uh, around diversity and equity and inclusion issues, hiring consultants to work on these issues. That piece obviously has been done with allyship in action, setting up a short-term committee to identify the needs and priorities of underrepresented communities, and finally establishing a permanent commission or committee to develop a DAI uh, action plan. So, uh, I guess just sort of starting uh, from the top, and maybe Shelley, I'll start with you. Can you give our listeners an update on on this work? Generally, there is a um, there's a timeline that exists that the city has, and it's. Uh, it you know i mean it, it i would say that you know i i kind of get what happens on at, at city hall that timelines and you know i mean we have our own, we have a, we have a strategic plan here at KPOV <laughs> that i <laughs> don't want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> you know so i get how that goes um that but i think you know on on some levels um I think they, obviously things have been moving forward. Uh, I suppose there's some, some folks in the community, and I've had this conversation with you, Aaron, and, and with Jenna about wishing that things were moving faster, but I understand the city has a lot on its plate. So with that said... Um, where where do things stand, Shelley?
1: Yeah, so I think first uh, we were able to, before I arrived, uh, the city was able to contract with Allyship in Action. And I think um, that was uh, just a spectacular move on the city's part. I think they're well poised to help not only provide training, but direction and guidance, uh, expertise. They are the content experts. so. Um, really appreciate working with the team uh, there. So bringing them on board has allowed us to have broader conversations. And part of the city's goal is to take this um, process and not make a misstep. Um, and so sometimes that results in a slower rollout of um, the progress of the goals. So um, I feel that, you know, with allyship's direction and guidance, we've we've changed direct we've changed and tweaked things a little bit and slowed things down so that we don't rush into this and and as i said make a misstep We'll probably make missteps, but but we're trying hard to to be thoughtful uh, in the planning process. So so what we've done is we've worked with our leadership team to provide training opportunities and engagement. Um, in de- December, uh, early December, uh, Karani, Aaron, and Leanne provided a three, over three-hour training for our entire leadership team which included 35 staff members at the city when was that again in december okay. december 5th yeah. and that uh training was very well received i think uh, quotes from staff were that they it was very engaging uh they were safe in this this setting because i think it's easy for us to move into something that is is foreign to some folks and is very Part and center to others, and to ensure we have a common understanding of what we're talking about. Um, I I don't think it's lost on anyone that car, car, um, uh, Karani. Karani was a part of that training, and right. I think, um, maybe I'll let you speak to, to how mm-hmm. that went, but I think it was uh, an opportunity for, for some authentic sharing on both sides, uh, folks that were our staff members, and Karani sharing kind of her experience of what happened, at, where you started by the introduction of helped mm-hmm. how, how this got spurred on um, and and I think after that training there was uh, an engagement and a strategic conversation about how then do we take the next step which was a rollout to all the departments for an introduction um, Eric King as city manager really provided uh, leadership in saying by the end of January early February I want all direct Uh, directors of departments to start this conversation. And I think that's leading to... a better engagement, a more, I mean, the city of Bend, let's admit, we're growing so fast. I mean, the number of staff members, I think it's over 650 right now. And so there's a lot of folks that are in different departments coming from different angles. And we we need to be specific on how we do this. And then the, the next part is our annual business meeting in March, we'll be kicking off Uh, the DEI initiative um, on the next level. And so we're leaning on our friends at Allyship to help us uh, best define how that looks and getting their input. Uh, Then after that, actually, we have two trainings scheduled in February uh, for all of our city council members uh, to attend. And we've extended an invitation to the elected and board members of other agencies locally here, Ben Parks and Rec., the library, uh, Deschutes County Commissioners, uh, the school district, uh, COIC—we're all gonna, we're we're going to provide this. Tra- Allyship in Action is going to provide this training to elected officials in a in a space that they can absorb this and engage together.
0: So that would be all the board members from all of these organizations. The They've all been invited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's the response from them, or has the, it has it too early to ask that question? I think
1: we sent uh, so. Council Member Goodman Campbell sent the invitation directly to uh, all of those uh, boards and electeds, and we've we've already received four or five responses in the last day. Uh, she sent it out yesterday. So, what we're hoping is that City of Bend is going to sponsor this training, uh, so there's no cost or barriers for our partners to attend, and giving them an opportunity to engage in this conversation together. Um, I think will be really exciting.
0: And so you're, that's scheduled for sometime in February? February
1: 19th and the 24th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah.
0: Um, and so, Aaron, can you talk a little bit about what that um, what that training was like from your perspective, how you've, you know, when the, t- the training that Shelly spoke about that yeah. you, you and uh, Karani and Leanne led?
2: Yeah, so we, as uh, Shelly mentioned, we were able to do a training with the leadership staff in December. Um, and really, just kind of laying down the groundwork. The, I think the framing we used, and I might get the exact wording wrong. It's was kind, of, kind of inspired by you know the motto for the city manager's office, right? This kind of building on the past, serving the present, and preparing for the future, or something to that effect. Um, and so we really kind of broke it into three parts. So you know, recognizing you can't build on the past if you don't know what the past is. And a lot of folks, you know, are really unfamiliar with kind of the history of both the nation, the state, and our local community as it relates to you know the experiences of people of color, of LGBTQ people of people with disabilities, and so we kind of early on did a uh, timeline exercise to help people kind of get that sense of the history that they might not have had, um, so we can start to see how the past plays into the present. Uh, we had some converse- great conversations about who the city currently serves, you know who we think of as the public, you know who, t- who tends to show up most I mean I think none of us are probably surprised that if you know if you 're retired and you 've got Time and money on your hands, and you're cranky about something. You're you're probably more likely to show up to that city office and tell them what you think, right? Um, you know, we all, all don't I'll have the same. Yeah, <laughs> no, no judging across you know the table here, but um, and so you know, really highlighting that difference between who we might think of as the public based on our interactions versus who's really out there um, needing or using those city services. Um, And then started to talk about, you know, what would it look like uh, to move toward the future, incorporating some of this equity lens, you know, where do, where do folks see issues of equity popping up in their various units? And, you know, I, really was just impressed uh, by the engagement of all the folks in the space. Uh, I could really tell it seemed like people were already starting to think about how could they apply this to their work? Because it's not always obvious, right? Um, You know, if you're talking about folks who are working on fleet vehicles for the city or or maintaining roads, right, that those connections may not always be as obvious to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I really appreciate that as the various teams have been trying to pass the message along to their folks that uh, we've been invited in a number of occasions to kind of help guide some of those conversations and help folks make those connections. So we've had opportunities to talk to everyone from, you know, again, kind of the utilities group, the facilities group, streets, uh, to, you know, HR and legal and just kind of all across the board. Uh, Really, I think, reflecting the city's commitment to embed this in everything they do, right? Um, And not just to have it be kind of a a superficial. So looking forward to having more of those conversations, particularly, I think the council ones will be fun, right? And as I think, probably you and your listeners, know, you can't have them all in the same room at the same time without triggering a public meeting. So, you know, Right. Wanting to provide opportunities for all these elected folks to have more authentic conversations than they might feel like they could have under the spotlight.
0: So that gathering of of training that does that is that does that become a public meeting? No, I mean you, you're able to get a, yeah, I mean, yeah. As long, as long as they're not conducting business on behalf. Well, there's a,
2: a numbers based rule, right? Like there can't be more than three. I think it is yeah, in right. a place without just inherently becoming a public meeting. Yes. So
0: well, I do, and I do appreciate. And I want to just say, Shelley, I do appreciate that. You know, like getting it right you know like Rihanna Giddens sings you better get it right the first time. I have uh, Shelly Smith from the City of Bend and uh, Aaron Rook from Allyship in Action who are working on diversity equity inclusion and inclusion issues in uh, in Bend uh, both at City Hall and beyond City Hall. Um, So one of the uh, goals uh, that was set by the City Council during this budget um, planning was to establish a short-term, I guess I'll call it, community committee—a committee of community members—to um, to help the city identify the needs and the the what what really needs to be done uh, and the priorities of underrepresented communities. Um, what's the status of that?
2: Yes, yeah, so we have identified folks that we think would be good candidates for that and reached out and invited them and in, uh, should be having our first meeting here uh, kind of mid to late February. So getting those folks together to just kind of lay the groundwork of what we're trying to do. I think the kind of primary objective of that short term task force is to kind of think about what what kind of a model for a long term or permanent commission would really serve uh, our diverse communities in Bend. And, you know, really relying on their connections to a variety of different communities, as well as their kind of skill sets with planning.
0: So would that sure? Would that could those committee folks? Would they be uh, able to sit in as observers, maybe on the training that you're going to be doing? For or have you even thought of that? Or?
2: So I think when we get to the point of being able to do um, kind of the more staff trainings, uh, definitely thinking about folks, including uh, members of various committees and commissions for the city, including this one, right? So, but also want to make sure there's opportunities for you know the Planning Commission and whomever else. Uh, but absolutely want to make sure everyone's on the same page.
0: So. You've got. A, it sounds to me like you've got a lot going on in February and March. Yes, <laughs> I mean a lot is scheduled to go on. This is going to be a very busy time. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of you know, and it's just it is the way that that bureaucracies and institutions work, right? It's like hurry up and wait, and then all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. You know, you got a bunch of stuff going on. So, as, uh, it, but you're feeling good about what what you're looking forward to in the next couple months.
1: Yeah, I think you know part of this is listening and being really attentive to. The input. I think it's hard to provide feedback and input when you don't feel safe. And I think really working closely with allyship is going to help create, I hope, a, a safe zone for people to share openly about how the city can think about uh, diversifying how we we approach the subject. And one of the things that Erin and I talked quite a bit about is how do we ensure that that people that are invited to be on this um, short term and long term committees, you know, how do we how do we support that? And one of the ways they recommended we support this is through um, a scholarship for their time. Um, so looking at people who are giving up uh, something to be. Uh, engaged in their expertise and making sure that we can provide some small scholarships for that. So we're working on that and um, I think the city is supportive of that. But again, listening and then taking action on what, what our what our experts really are telling us we need to do.
0: Um, Have either of you had opportunity to take a look at the um, the results of the school district's recent survey of students?
1: The equity um, study the equity, yeah, yeah the, the equity the, survey the and sessions. study. Yeah. 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 I, I think that was very first of all very um very a strong leadership point that the school district was willing to step into that space to to hear from the community about what is working and what's not working and then to be able to reflect that back in that report i I think we have a lot of work to do in our community and um, as we grow as a community we need to realize that a lot of people are being marginalized and left behind in this growth and i think there's a lot of conversation about how incredible this community is um and and we need to hear from all all everybody in this community to better understand yeah. um who you know, voices. And we have to lower barriers as a city government to ensure that we we're making it easier for people to share that may have a you know, long list of reasons why right. they can't or right. not able to.
0: Yeah, one of the issues at the school district, well a couple of things that are happening of course is they're they're going to be hiring a new superintendent, which is really crucial. And there's been, I don't know if you saw the source editorial yesterday or this week. There's a great, I think I really appreciated the source's editorial about what this, sort of laying out what in, from the source's perspective, what the district and the school board should be looking for in a new superintendent. And I know that there are some school board members that are, you know, thinking along those lines in terms of a superintendent that can, uh, uh, you know, talk about, you know, but basically can embrace these kinds of issues that were that students of color and uh, LGBT students and students with disabilities, et cetera, are facing in, in the schools. And they also, of course, at the school district level, there's also a lot of conversation about hiring, uh, and perhaps not as much as there should be, but when you look at the um, difference between the students of color and the staff of color, it's very... Strikingly different. Uh, will you be talking at all about that that issue at the city in terms of, of, of perhaps hiring? Um, will that be part of the conversation? Hiring people of color? Hiring? I know? mean, I
2: think my sense is that um, you know, because of that commitment to embed everything throughout the city operations, it's going to probably come up in every context you can think of. Um, I think we've already had folks. Uh, highlighting just even in the conversations we've had with different units, the ways they could see this playing out. And so thinking about things like, you know, when something goes before council, well, are they analyzing the equity impact? Um, You know, when we put out, you put out a posting for a job, how do you describe the place that Bend is, right? You know, this is something I know comes up um, when we talk about hiring on campus as well, right? If you describe the benefits of living here as being all about skiing and snowboarding, you know, that's a particular target market. So um, I think I'm I'm excited to see the ways in which this process kind of lights up ideas across the board. I, I think that in general, folks at the city have seemed really eager to be having these conversations and excited to have you know kind of a, a container to have them in and and some resources to draw on. So I'm excited to see you know what all ideas come up, right? Because I don't work for the city, you know, right. I, I can have my own perspectives from the outside about what I think you know would make sense for them to do, and obviously you know. Have you know our own area of expertise to share, but I think it's really that synergy and that coming together in conversation and sharing those expertise from both sides that's going to get us some cool results.
0: Yeah, it's certainly challenging in a city like Bend that is so overwhelmingly white. And I, I'm recalling a conversation that um, I had with Anissa Bohannon over at um, Kohd about how she came to Bend and how um, the person who was in the process of hiring. Talked to her on the phone and was very frank with her about, as a woman of color, what she was going to, where where she was coming, you know what what the what the demographics uh, of the of the community were and what kind of you know possible obstacles that she might face, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, she's been here now several years, uh, and which is really great. Uh, but I think institutions, whether they're the private sector or or the public sector, really do need to be. Um, Frank with people, uh, and go beyond, as you say, go beyond just talking about, um, snowboarding, skiing, recreational trails, all those things that may attract a certain, a lot of people, they do, obviously, but that there's a lot, a lot more here, um. Uh, more than, more than even beer, believe it or not. Right. <laughs> no.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the things that's been uh, nice to kind of highlight through these conversations, too, is that while Bend is certainly not New York City or Detroit or, or what have you, um, there is a lot more diversity here than people realize. That's and true. so, um, you know, just even talking about right the school district, there's 34 languages spoken in the Ben Pine School District. I don't know if I could name 34 languages, but there's 34 languages yeah. spoken, right? Yeah. You know, 18% of the students there are students of color. And when we look toward kindergartners, um, that number is even higher, right? Right. Um, um, you know, we have. And uh, they're going to be in high
0: school someday.
2: Yeah, we have a lot more diversity than we realize, and I yeah. think sometimes it's a matter of just shifting our perspective and noticing where we're spending time or, or kind of what we're paying attention to.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So one of the other goals, the final goal, I guess, that I would get to uh, that, uh, that was outlined by the city uh, was the establishment of a permanent um, commission or committee. Uh, which would actually be tasked with developing the DEI action plan, and and this is kind of along the lines of um, there are, there are cities throughout the state of Oregon around the country, but specifically in the state of Oregon, uh, Portland, Corvallis, Beaverton, and, and other communities that that Eugene, I believe, that do have human rights commissions. It's a permanent, and so what 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 do you see as the value of of something like that, a permanent kind of entity within the city?
1: Well, I think to get back to your question around, you know, recruitment and hiring practices, I think this long-term commitment to DEI and this commission specifically will address some of these, I won't call them blind spots, but areas that we have opportunity to grow in. And we'll we'll be able to direct the council members to make um, decisions. And I would hope that um, things change related to um, our... Um, ordinances and our policies and procedures within the city, but I think it has to come from a group that can speak into um, the work we're doing, and understand where to ask the questions, and and I think at the same time, our our staff internally have started some uh, discussion groups, and those have morphed into almost internal task forces oh, to wow. help to identify what are those what are those barriers that are that we're that we're needing to break down to better have conversation and learn and grow and become a more um, diverse you know, that equitable, you know, inclusive city. And, um, you know, we all really are the city. I mean, if it comes down to it, every city employee is a member of this community and is invested in the growth and development. And so um, one thing I've noticed in coming in from the nonprofit world is, um, you know, there's a lot of, of, you know, desire for the city to, to, change things and move things and I think we will only do that through an engagement and a collaborative process with our our local uh, residents and this commission will allow us to get really specific uh, around these important issues. So
0: I I think the city I think we are really um I think we're very fortunate that our city manager Eric King did this kind of work in Portland Absolutely. long before he arrived here and so he's he's you know he's he really understands what we're talking about. That he's, it's not something that's coming out of nowhere for somewhat for him, which is really good.
2: Yeah, and I think there are a number of other folks on staff, right, that do have some exposure to or experience with this. And I think, like Shelley was kind of getting at, that I think city staff already had this kind of desire to move in this direction, and um, that inclusion of the DEI goals in the council goals, uh, kind of. Provides that extra kind of like one beneath their wings on some level, right? Like the the sense of yes, this is the direction we want you to go in, and, and I think really reinforces that.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that I would say the overwhelming majority of people in the city are unaware of is that we actually have on the books an equal rights ordinance that was passed by the city council in in two thousand four, and and I was involved in that that um, campaign, and 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 while it was um, it was specifically done to include. Uh, in the law, uh, protections for, uh, LGBTQ people. The ordinance is broad. I mean, it talks about all kinds of, you know, whether it's, it's race, gender, sexual uh, orientation, or, and all of those things around, uh, just, you know, so that there is a, an ordinance that people can apply if they feel that they're discriminated against in housing, employment, or public accommodation. But unfortunately, and I would put this on all of us, we, we worked hard to pass this, uh, Equal rights ordinance, and then we like, <laughs> like that, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, most people don't know it exists, and it's a little complicated. How to you have to go to the Bureau of Labor of Industry in, in industries to file a complaint, and it and it's uh and it would seem to me that that the city with a commission um, could help people sort of put some teeth into that kind of law because I I am certainly I believe, and I'm sure you do that. People are discriminated against uh, in those areas uh, here in the city all the time, and it's just they don't know that there's a way that they can uh, file a complaint with the city and actually perhaps get some justice.
2: Yeah, so, and I think a lot of times you know these policies or that get passed, we yeah we get excited that that they pass, and then we forget about the work of kind of carrying on and reminding people they exist. You know, I think about even in my work at OSU Cascades, right? There's there's avenues for people to go through if they experience discrimination. But there's also the part of the job of just reminding people that it's there and that it exists and that it's an option. And I think part of what's been uh, interesting in showing more people about the history of our community is letting folks know who maybe are newer to to Central Oregon about, you know, the Equal Rights Ordinance of the Past and, you know, to let them know that it did fill up the tower for city council meeting. and, And, you know, it's really, I think, helps people see that that the effort predates today and that it's part of kind of an ongoing process in our community.
0: And and it was in 2004. I mean, it's like the times have changed. It was was a real struggle, and there was a lot of opposition to it. And the city council, it it took a a lot of work on the part of a number of people in this community to – to get the council to vote for it, and we you know on those who were involved in that we were like looking for four votes and ended up with seven because of the great work that they did and I would argue that today we wouldn't we would not be facing that same sort of i mean things have changed you know for the better, I think in terms of how people see this stuff. There would certainly still be a few people out there that would probably say that if you pass this ordinance, uh the South Sisters will erupt the South Sister, which was actually said at the public hearing. No, <laughs> us,
2: us gays are real powerful like that. But uh, <laughs> I like South Sister so we'll keep it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. but I
2: yeah no I think it's interesting I think about that too, just how differently things are received and I and you know appreciate the fact that Um, you know, while what happened in 2004 was graded, also was, uh, preceded by a pretty violent homophobic attack, right? right? And, um, while there's certainly, you know, this effort currently didn't come out of thin air, it didn't have to come out of something really, terrible and violent right like where right. this is really more i see coming out of you know kind of this increasing community conversation and recognizing that you know we're talking about this in all kinds of sectors you know we're talking about this in healthcare and nonprofits and the environmental justice organizations and you know cities across you know the state and nation and so i think people are just kind of waking up to the fact that this is a conversation that that we're ready to have
0: yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, this is the Radical Songbook, I'm your host Michael Funky. I've got Aaron Rook from Allyship in Action and Shelley Smith from The City of Bend here in the studio with me and we've got a, a bit more time and I I wanted to switch gears here and talk a bit about because one of your um responsibilities with the city is is dealing with the issue of homelessness and um as it turns out there's been Homelessness is is very much in the news right now. The homeless leader homelessness leadership council is conducting its annual count uh, as we as we speak. Um, the city there's conversation about the city planning to move. Um, this is just an estimate. I'm sure 50 to 60 homeless camps that are over in the Juniper Ridge uh, area by by April uh, because of some utility work that needs to be done. Uh, City Councilor Bruce Abernathy recently raised, uh, a proposal for transitional housing for the homeless here in the community. He's working with one of the, uh, a local, the private sector working with Todd Taylor. Uh, and, uh, there's a conversation about transitional housing for veterans here in the community. The state legislature is talking about, uh, considering an emergency measure that could result in We'll see if they, how this goes in this short session. But $120 million to build shelters and, and uh, for some longer-term strategies to ease homelessness. So there's a lot going on, um, and it's very, very fluid. Um, I don't know quite where to start. Maybe start with the city issue around Juniper Ridge. Uh, that seems to be um, something that is um, pretty eminent.
1: Yes. So, just to clarify, I think one of the key roles that I play is to help uh, provide the framework um, and work within the city to bring our different uh, staff members and departments together, so that we can respond in a cohesive way to some of these very important community issues. And homelessness, obviously, is at the top um, of that list. So. Let's start with a couple things that are, I think, happening that, that are exciting with related to the city council goal. One is, you know, really making sure that we have an intentional connection with those experts in our community that have been working in this area for a very long time. I mean, the Homeless Leadership Coalition is uh, known as a leader in providing direction, guidance, advocacy. Um, really, they are a collaboration of of on the ground, service providers that are working directly, and they right. know these issues. So we want to be very connected, um, and are connected with them. Um, COVO Central Oregon Veterans Outreach. Again, they are they're working uh, closely with those who are um, experiencing homelessness. So so that's a key important feature of what we're doing. The other piece is the our law enforcement team, the City of Bend Police Department, is as you can imagine, have been uh, responding. Um, to this growing need for um, uh, folks who are homeless, you know, responding in their community to those who are struggling with homelessness and may have a mental health um, challenge or co-occurring issues that are going on. And so over the last eight years, they've seen a huge increase in the amount of time um, and the the, the officers that are going out and responding. And so they've actually, the city has dedicated a position. It's a community outreach officer. Uh, it's someone who has been with the Bend Police Department for a very long time, Keisha Weaver, and she is continuing to build her... Uh, connections with those who are experiencing homelessness in Juniper Ridge, as well as throughout the the city. So I think we're seeing some investments being made to to resource um, this issue. Specifically with uh, Juniper Ridge, I think uh, we have an incredible... A uh, number of people that are sleeping outside every night, um, and many of them have congregated in the Juniper Ridge area, um, but it's everywhere. I mean, I don't know if you've flown recently, but I've heard that as you fly out of the Redmond Airport, there is there are homeless camps, tents. Uh, just scattered throughout the area. So right, everywhere we go, right? right it, outside the airport. Yeah, on the east and, side of and yeah. you know, this morning, um, you know, Todd Dunkelberg from the Deschutes County Library provided uh, an overview of some of the things that are happening with the library, and they're looking at potentially building a new central library. Right. And when they looked at, you know, flew a drone up and looked at the area where they're thinking about um, moving, you know, building, there are homeless camps, um, again, scattered throughout the area. So I think as we, as we talk about this, this is a larger issue. But Juniper Ridge, because of the North Interceptor sewer project has really created a time, uh, a time crisis around, you know, our response and how to help folks move out of that area.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, well, I mean, I'm just going to um, – and I, not to put you too much on the spot, but, I mean, Ben, the Bulletin's editorial, you know, headline. Can the City Find a Humane Way to Remove Homeless from Juniper Ridge? I mean, I think that's a question that um, – and, and I'm sure that you're obviously want, want to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I have no question about that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's a question worth, you know, talking about. It's just like, how do we do this and what happens if people – I mean, you know, what happens if people don't want to move and what, I mean, how do we, and you you know, and you're totally right. I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a worldwide problem and it's certainly a national problem and it's certainly a statewide problem and it's certainly a problem throughout Central Oregon. And we're just no different than any place else. And the, you know, all the issues that are, that go with it are affordability of housing, et cetera. But how, how do we go about this at Juniper Ridge? What, what, uh, what thoughts do you have on that?
1: Well, I think first it's the collaboration. So we, um, the city has created a a land management policy, and um, our city council members are reviewing that and giving input. But we're also creating an implementation plan, and we're relying heavily on our community partners to help us. Fill that plan in that that makes sense and that it's a humane way to help um, give people time. Uh, I think time is really where we're looking at because there is no one simple answer and there's no one solution that fits everyone. So every person that's in Juniper Ridge will have different needs. And so what we're right. trying to do is look at who who's already working closely with those residents and find out what they need and how we the city can support that service provider ensuring that they provide that service that we don't go in and you know s- you know, assume what people will need that right. we're working with the experts to do that. So we're the city is trying to take the approach of, you know, what's required legally is a twenty four hour notice and that is not humane. Um what is humane is the sixty and thirty day you know notice that we're trying to to um to start, so what we want to do is start with what can we remove that is not claimed by someone that is there. So abandoned vehicles. Um, recently in November, the city coordinated um, a project to remove abandoned and you know dangerous uh, debris piles. They removed over seventy-five thousand pounds worth of debris that. Could have likely been, you know, left there by people that never were living there. People right. that just have used Juniper yeah. Ridge as a dump. As a dump, yeah. and and so really trying to go in and uh, ask people, you know, do, do you know whose vehicle this is that's around the area, and if we can identify whose vehicle, making sure we make contact and working closely with our law enforcement because that's their job. That you know we're we're uh trying to be good stewards of each of these steps, and so first going in and trying to remove the debris um, and we'll need to do that again and again and we've talked with people that have been doing this for for years. This is not something that's new um, then once we get some of the debris out, then we can we can continue to develop those um, partnerships with the uh, service agencies, and they're providing us direction on how the city can support. Their recommendations, and so we're actually going to be meeting with them in the next couple of weeks to hear what their recommendations are and how we can support that moving forward. So that's the that's the best case scenario. If people um, are not able to move, then how do we help them? Like if they have a car that it, uh, won't start, if right. they have a uh, an RV that is they don't have a way to move that, how how are we going to work with those agencies to help um, uh, to help them move? When it comes down to it, um, you know, we'll have to see how we're going to operationalize folks moving off for their safety. I mean, we're talking a 40-foot trench uh, that will be laying sewer line down, and we don't want anybody to be in harm's way. And the safety is paramount to anything else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, you know, I mean, uh, essentially there's a, a lot of need to rely on what I'll call the nonprofit, but the private sector of the non-profit world to to help out like the Leadership Council. What about about this idea that in the legislature of of maybe a big pool of money for shelters? I mean, is the city, um, once the legislature starts, is the city going to be doing any lobbying to get some of that money to make sure it doesn't all go to Salem Eugene and Portland
1: we're we're absolutely <laughs> supportive of an equal distribution of <laughs> yeah. uh, resources. I think I think this is a national conversation and I think I'm I'm hopeful that Oregon can come up with some uh, resources to ensure that we have the ability to to get those dollars where they need to go to help support um, people along the continuum and along the spectrum of what they need. Because there's nothing worse than, you know, helping someone move into an apartment and not giving them the resources and the support, the peer mentorship, um, you know, everything to be successful. Because what we don't want to see happen is, you know, creating a living environment that's not conducive or um you know, supportive of where someone's at.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what about this idea that Bruce uh, Bruce Abernathy, city councilor, vice vice mayor Bruce Abernathy uh, proposed around? Uh, he had been talking with Todd Taylor, a local developer, uh, about ways to create and uh, some transitional housing. Is that is that something that you um, that you see as, as as it all getting legs in terms of conversation here in the community?
1: Yeah, I I think what's happening is they're conducting some exploratory uh, research on what does our community need in this gap area. So if you look at the continuum and you say, okay, there's a there's really a need for you know a designated camp. um, I think Eric Tobiasen and Kovo have been working really hard um, with Deschutes County and City of Bend and trying to figure out how do we how do we create these opportunities and I think. I'm hopeful that the state legislature will come out and say, not only do we support this, we have, you know, some funds behind it um, to really to build on this momentum here. And, you know, Deschews County and this community, City of Bend, has always had this this spirit of we can build this. I mean, you look back to so many nonprofits in this community were, we're, you know uh, – Built and created by this mentality of we we can figure this out. We're people that are committed, that are smart, that are engaged in this conversation, and we want to we want to see things happen. So,
0: yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the work that you're doing uh, on behalf of, on this issue. It's and it's so complex because, as we all know, I mean, it's related to you know so many things like the um, the unaff- unaffordability of housing, not only in this community, but again, you know, across the country. Really, I mean, you hear about it in so many different communities. And every community seems to, you know, there's this idea that it's only happening here when it's really not. You know, I mean, even Redmond is, is, is dealing with that, has that issue. And so, um, yeah, uh, anything more that you want to say on the homelessness issue, uh, on the DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, either one of you, uh, before we conclude? I'll just say one more
1: thing. I, th- I think we're the the city and the council right now are providing incredible leadership around these two in, uh, very important initiatives and and I think the city staff is working very hard to create opportunities for um, mixed use housing affordable housing I mean I think we have some of the brightest in our team trying to figure this out and it's going to take time and I I think as we as, as any good movement starts it starts with you know people impassioned around this idea that change has to happen we're, we're birthing change and we're we're in that transition period i feel like as a community so it's exciting and i really appreciate your time and focus on this area this area so
2: Aaron, any parting words? Yeah, I guess just kind of echoing, I'm just really glad to see, you know, the city looking, focusing on both of these issues. And I think that, you know, the further it moves along with the diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's only going to enrich and enhance the, the other work that it's trying to do. And so just happy to see the city and so many other local organizations and, and companies, you know, taking the time to focus on this issue.
0: Well, I want to thank you both. Shelly Smith from the City of Bend, Aaron Rook from Allyship in Action for spending time here with us at KPOV. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.